Well, hello and welcome to our service of the 4th of October 2020. And yes, we have hit another landmark moving well into autumn. Well, a very warm welcome come all who are tuning in and listening by phone near or far. I hope you are blessed and hopefully challenged by our worship today. And please look out for the Kirkgate by request tonight and take time to just relax and listen to the hymns and music with dedications that Stuart has put together for us. And just as an update on Nigel's arrival, your minister, you have completed the signing of the call and things are progressing now to hopefully get an induction date. However, that service is to be conducted. Well, watch the space, as they say, but hopefully fairly soon. Exciting for you and praise God for the answer to the call to come to Kirkgate. And Maureen has put a good article, I noticed, about the, the Blythewood Christmas boxes in the magazine. All the do's and don'ts of the things to include. Don't put in war material like guns and knives and things like that. You should go and read it and uh, it'll give you a very good um, insight into what you should be putting in the boxes. Lastly, there's to be a, a, a Zoom Kirk session meeting on the 22nd of October at 8pm and the code for that is on the web page as well. well. We continue to gather in the church hall, face coverings and hand sanitizers at the ready and if you want to come along we've made it as safe as possible for all. We can handle about 18 worshippers per service so if you feel you want to come out again and be with fellow worshippers you haven't seen in months then phone Maima and she'll put your name on a list. It's no hassle for Mima, so get on the phone. But let's just take a wee second or two to help put us in that frame of mind to open our hearts in a spiritual way now before the Almighty Lord God. Our call to worship this day is inspired by Psalm 118. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. Let us all gathered say his love endures forever. And so let us open our worship with that mighty, majestic hymn, CH4111. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty.
come let us join together in prayer. And we'll split our prayer around the scripture reading today. So let us pray. Faithful God, we awaken ourselves to your presence as we awaken too to our discovery of who we have become. We know we were created in your image, that you have a history of bringing us out of slavery and into freedom. And we long to find that freedom today. We know you as the great restorer, able to transform all injustice into the kingdom of heaven on earth as we open ourselves to be part of your future that is coming. Loving and amazing God, your constant relationship of love and faithfulness is one which sustains us through all things. Your stories speak to us, transcending time and place, meeting us here today. We give you thanks for the choice to let go of who we have thought ourselves to be and become a runner in your race, with the experience of love of Christ as our only goal. We give thanks too that you call us again and again to be your people, that you love us and want us to live together in fullness of community and life, that you send people, prophets and Jesus to show us your love. In turn, send us as your people and prophets and as Christ to those who need to meet you. We give thanks that you want us to be part of the harvest in the gathering of it and the sharing so that we might learn more of what it is to be like you. Loving Lord God, we pray in the manner that Jesus taught when we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'll leave Deirdre now to introduce our scripture reading for this morning. Our scripture reading comes from Matthew 21, verses 28 to 46, and 22, verses 1 to 14, in the New International Version. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. Later he challenged them thus, Let us hear the word of God. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For God came, for John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. 
When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then they sent. Uh, then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Amen. And may God bless this reading from his holy word. And shall we pray once more? We hold you to account, God, for the things that do not go to plan. We blame you. We are angry. We see you stopping justice from being served, for we know you could do it better. We know that you could make it perfect, and so who else to rage at but you? And it is in this moment of honesty that we find ourselves and our part in the story 
the things we stayed quiet about, the things we accepted as being okay, when deep down we know they are not, the times we served ourselves first, and so that there wasn't enough to go round. We ask for your restoration, for you to make your face shine upon us, that having released our anger and blame, we discover the tools for planting again, the hope for our future becoming our vision, that together we can be your people again. And we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let us sing once more in our homes, in our rooms, CH4 606, Lord, you sometimes speak in wonders. My reflection today is entitled Working with God in His Vineyard. Well, today's passage comes towards the end of Jesus' ministry. It's the final days and before the crucifixion. It is at the beginning of the end, so to speak, where Jesus stirs up and attacks the religious leaders and the corrupt and legalistic way that Israel has failed once again to uphold the responsibility for the kingdom of God as God's people. Their inability to recognise and accept the Messiah that was to come from within them, God's chosen people. The Saviour, foreseen by the prophets of old, who would bring salvation to the world and usher in a new kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. There are very sharp exchanges between Jesus and the rulers and religious leaders here, including the Pharisees, the Sadducees and scribes of the day. But this chapter opens with a dramatic scene and continues on in that pace as we read of the triumphal entry, the clearing of the temple, Jesus' authority questions, healings and now warnings in these parables. 
And like the prophets of old, Jesus needs to have that dramatic entrance and to do dramatic things to get the attention of the people flocking into Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Well, why then do we look upon such tensions and conflict and place ourselves in the line of questioning too? We like to beat ourselves up at times, I suppose, about the church's failure to act on God's command. To live the life Jesus asked of us where we might be less than diligent about our mission to go and make disciples. And we often use these passages to harry the church for its failings, of which I have no doubt there are some, if not many. But where is the blessing in taking Jesus' allegories here to heart? In the warnings that appear as curses, there must be found blessing as well, for the two go hand in hand in most of Jesus' teaching. There is always a counter way, a better way to relive the situation, to get oneself right with God. Indeed, if nothing else, we see the great patience of God in these parables. We see too anger. So trouble in the ancient times, trouble in the nation of Israel on a spiritual level, trouble on a temporal level, tensions in the temple worship, tensions on the streets with high taxes and restlessness among the rebellious Jews, a rebelliousness that would turn to war in time with the Roman occupiers. Does the times of Jesus' day reflect on our world today? Very rich Sadducees, very poor pilgrims, very powerful people in charge, a vast majority with no voice. Well, let us look briefly at what is being said here in these parables, for the underlying warnings and meanings were not lost on the Pharisees and religious leaders of the temple, who knew fine what Jesus is getting at by comparing them to all the wicked tenants and the people who say one thing and do another, or ignore God's love and invitation to attend the greatest banquet ever, the wedding feast of the saved in Jesus Christ. Well, I focus in on the middle parable. So who is involved in the parable of the vineyard then? Well, the vineyard is God's kingdom. The master who owns such a place is God himself. The tenant farmers are the religious leaders of Jesus' time. And before the kings and rulers of Israel and Judah, even those in places of religious authority today, if we are going to take this forward. The servants who came to gather the share for the master were the prophets of old, who were badly treated, even killed, because they were sent from God with warnings to turn from worldly sin and repent. And the son who came lastly, that the people might hopefully show some respect, found only violence, rejection and death at the hands of these bad farmers. And he was, of course, Jesus himself. And as always, Jesus is telling a story that would be very understandable and clear to those listening around him. This was a troubled time, as I said. Absent landlords would leave their farms or vineyards in the hands of tenants who would agree to pay a share of the crops. It was conceivable that such farmers were rogues themselves and would withhold a great deal of the agreed amount. It is also conceivable that anyone who came to ask for the share would be badly treated and maybe even killed. And if we, in our imagination, enter the allegory and survey the landscape Jesus describes, we see a vineyard in the best of condition for handing over. 
God has left the kingdom on earth in a good condition to be fruitful. The vineyard with a good tall wall, sometimes it would be a thorny hedge, to guard against robbers and wild animals, maybe even a windbreak. He has built a watchtower that can be used as a lookout or as a bothy place for the workers to sleep in. Always given in perfect condition for the tasks asked of the farmers. Oh, it was to be an easy task, surely. Well, notice here the patience of God with those who sin, those who do not carry out the agreement entered into earlier, the covenant between God and the people. He sent servants, the early prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and so on, and they were badly treated and ignored. And God sends more prophets, the minor ones in our Bibles, but with warnings as well, and they face the same treatment. Ultimately, God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, who came to die, that we might be given the greatest chance of all to come to the Father through the Son. All those who believe on Jesus, who have faith that Jesus is who he said he is, a saviour who died, was buried and rose again, that we might have peace at last with God the Father. And Jesus turns the tables on the religious leaders and the Pharisees, and he lets them finish the story. In verse 40, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And in verse 41, they said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits of their seasons. Or as we heard Deirdre saying uh, in the NIV tradition. Well, perhaps you might imagine a small smile on Jesus' face and a slight nod of agreement of the head as the religious leaders gave their opinion. Then changing tack, he then drives home the moral point and introduces another angle in verse 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvellous in our eyes. And the quotation is from Psalm 118 verse 22. And it's not lost on the hearers. They know he is talking about them and that he is claiming to be the capstone, sometimes the keystone or cornerstone. All stones that hold up the rest of the structure, all important bases to build a faith from. He is saying, I am the Messiah you have all been waiting on. Well, they are angered and want to arrest him for this, and later they are plotting to kill him. What encouragement can we take out of this? Jesus is also saying in these parables that those who do not pull their weight, those who act against his will and command to love and to serve will be replaced. The kingdom will not be welcoming them. It's a message that may be preached to churches to say, look, get your act together for you might be replaced or superseded, ignored and left to decline and close. Of course, that may well be the case for places that have a fire for mission and for Jesus that is dwindling and dying. But the encouragement I offer you is this, for I am no prophet of doom. I love my church, as do you, or you would not be here, you would not be listening in. God gives every chance to sinners to do the right thing. 
He graciously allows sinners time to repent, to come to him through his son, the Lord Jesus. In John 14 and 6 of the NIV, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is clear from our parable of the vineyard that Jesus rises above the prophets and that he is clearly saying to all through this parable that he is the Son of God. He gives a good field to harvest in. No scruffy land with ragged worn out fences and a a broken down watchtower. He gives us all the right tools for serving. He gives us the garden on our doorstep to play in, to reap a fruitful harvest. He gives us the power in his name, Jesus. He gives us this gift of the Spirit to use as tools. He blesses us and rejoices with us for every single soul that turns from sin and is saved. This parable tells us much about God. He sets everything we need right here and trusts us to carry out the tasks he ordained like the master leaving us to it, only wanting to see the fruit of our labour as we promised when we came to Jesus. God may leave us to it, but he doesn't go away on a long journey and become absent. He is intimate and supernatural or transcendent at the same time. Kirkgate sits in the heart of a priority area. There is every chance to use these wonderful gifts God has graciously given that the church might become embedded into the heart of the community, watching from the tower for the move of the Spirit and where the mission field lies, prepared to work hard at the harvest and give to God the honour and the glory that is rightly his. The potential is here to be had, however strange a time we live in. Imagination and vision vision will be required, not just for Kirkgate, but for all churches on how to tend God's precious vineyard. The new tenants are those who love Christ and are seeking a closer walk with him in this troubled era. And even you who are listening in, who are still to come into the fold, God is patiently waiting on you to come into his kingdom. Waiting on you is a wonderfully made creation, made in his image. You who, as I speak, have ears to hear, who might feel that call to think again on the bountiful life Christ Jesus promises. In our mind's eye, does he let us see the wonderful harvest fields that lie before us and the opportunities to love souls into the kingdom here on earth? Jesus' promise to prepare a place for us as we travel on into everlasting life in the new Jerusalem to come. He is waiting, watching, waiting. Peace, love, joy. Relief from the stresses of this world and servitude are the badges of honour that awaits all who come. That is the easy yoke Jesus speaks of as we heard in last week's reflection. We may take warning from Jesus' discourse here, but we may also see the blessing of God in this as well. For with every warning there is a blessing. Jesus always leaves us with that hope. Now, I'm not saying that all who went before us got it wrong or were the bad tenants. I am saying that you will be the new tenants for Kirkgate in the new era to come. 
My prayer for you and for all churches will be that they see the vision to replough, to prune and to tend the master's vineyard with renewed vigour. It is God's vineyard. Let us then look upon it with a heart and eye of a good steward, honest, hard-working and ready for the master's return on that day, as the Bible declares. Kirkgate, you are the new farmers now. It's up to you that fruit will be harvested in Salkots and Ardrossan. You have an exciting chapter to open. Let us pray. When it is our walls coming down and we see our family under attack, when we see the hope of harvest crumbling before us, may your presence be revealed. When it is the walls of others that are crumbling, when the family are under attack, are our neighbours, when we have enough but they do not, may your justice be stirred within us. When we are tearing down the walls, when we are attacking our neighbours, when we are taking what is not ours, may your mercy be upon us. When we have a choice to restore the walls, when we have room for others, when harvest will feed everyone, may Christ's light shine from our hearts as we share what we have. Forgotten God, you are hidden beneath our idea of being good Christians. We long to rediscover your faithfulness and love. We want to reflect your grace and mercy in our lives so that we may become the tenants of your vineyard, ready to share our harvest with all. Abba Father, hear the heartfelt prayers now of your children gathered before you, for all have need of speaking with you about the world and personal happenings. All have aspirations and hopes to place before you, Father. And so hear us now as we bring these, our troubles and joys, before you in a time of our intercessory silent prayer. As we come to the end, I would say that those who give in their um, envelopes on a Sunday and those who do throw, so through the bank will hear this last part of our prayer. Loving Lord God, your generosity astounds us at times. We are loved and cared for by your hand of peace. Please accept our love token today and online as we commit it into your care. And may it swell the ranks of the kingdom here on earth by your glorious hand of providence. Amen. Our closing hymn today is that favourite, isn't it? It is CH4154. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder.
And so to the blessing for today. May we be blessed with the restoration of your vineyard. May we all have a part to play in that joyous task. May we see you in the tearing down of walls and in our discovery of the cornerstone that is Christ, yesterday, today and forever. And so let us go with joy and peace and the blessing of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit travel with us now and always. Amen.